Welcome to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My name is Jonathan Edwards, and I serve as a pastor at the Grace Brethren Chapel located in Northwest Ohio. The goal of this podcast is to teach God's truth and how to apply it accurately to one's life so that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed as you contemplate God's word. Greetings, saints and fellow bond slaves of Jesus Christ. It is a great joy to be with you again today, and I'm happy to kind of look at a year-end review of 2023. And what we're going to do today is we are going to look at seven spiritually significant events that happened in 2023. Now, I'm sure that you could find more than seven or less than seven, but you know we're all Christians here, and we know that seven is a very biblical number. It is the number of perfection. And so we are going to look at the seven, I would say they are theologically and spiritually significant, significant events from this past year. And the way that I'm kind of thinking about these events is like this. I'm looking at the event that occurred, and I'm saying, how does this event, how does this event demonstrate a massive intersection between theology and culture, or theology and practical life? Um, these are oftentimes events that capture both the church's attention and also capture the secular world's attention. So. I think there are a lot of significant things that have happened within the context of church life in 2023, but we want to move beyond church life to, to see where these events um, that are very important and also have a theological framework or a theological background, a spiritual background, where they intersect the culture and the cultural moment. I think the reason why pointing out these kind of events is important is it helps you as a Christian to have a talking point or a jump-off point when you're in conversations with non-believers to get to the spiritual point. We need to remember, as I've mentioned frequently in the past few episodes, that the battle that we are fighting is not a battle against flesh and blood. It is a battle against the spiritual forces and powers of darkness. And because we are fighting the battle against spiritual forces and powers of darkness, we need to recognize that there is a spiritual element to a lot of the things that happen in our culture. And we cannot just divorce ourselves from that truth. We need to understand as Christians that it's not just like church stuff happens over here in this sphere and spiritual stuff happens over here in this sphere, but real important things, things of uh, significance, things of great impact, things that affect a lot of people happen in a totally different sphere. No, there is a constant overlap of the spiritual and the physical. And the sooner we realize that as Christians, the sooner we will start to fight the war against the spirit of the age, against the spiritual forces of darkness, that is Satan, our enemy, and his demons, the sooner we will fight that war more effectively. All right, so let's begin now looking at the seven, the top seven spiritually significant events in 2023. All right, so starting with number seven, 
This one um, is number seven because it happened rather recently in November of this year. Uh, and, and it has caused a lot of discussion over the last few days, or I should say few weeks. But it is this, that Christian nationalism has entered the national political discourse. And if you've been paying attention in Christian circles, okay, Christian circles over the past two, maybe three years, you're like, well, this isn't really a new issue. Christian nationalism and attitudes towards Christian nationalism and discussions about Christian nationalism, those have been happening for a while. But it became a very central national issue this year, thanks to the election of new House Speaker Mike Johnson and his declaration that he owns or possesses a biblical worldview and wants to implement the biblical worldview or a biblical worldview into the policy decisions that he will make as the Speaker of the House of Representatives. And so now even the national media, the national news media, which is totally secular, basically atheistic in nature, uh, denies that there is a creator God, denies that um, Christianity is the sole source of truth and understanding in the universe. Um, The national media is now talking a lot about Christian nationalism. And so this has ignited other debates amongst Christians regarding Christian, Christian nationalism and trying to define what that is. And to be quite frank with you, I had uh, prepared a podcast on Christian nationalism like nine or 10 months ago, maybe even at the end of 2022. And I just, you know, the issue kind of died out. And I was like, well, I, I, I don't really feel like I need to discuss this right now. But seeing as how this issue made the list for one of the top seven theologically significant events in 2023, I might have to revisit that podcast and do something with that in the new year. All right, so moving on from number seven to number six. Number six is this, boycotts against LGBTQ agenda issues finally have some effect. Okay, so boycotts against the LGBTQ agenda and the issues that they promote finally have some effect. And we saw this earlier in 2023 First of all, with Bud Light, the beer company, who um, hired a transsexual person, it's a man who's pretending to be a woman uh, named Dylan Mulvaney to do an advertising campaign for them. And there was a, a great amount of backlash against that. Then, so that was maybe like uh, late, late March or April, uh, maybe April and May. Let's, let's, I think that's the time frame. Then we had in June the company Target, who has been, let's be honest, Target has been one of the most LGBTQ-friendly companies in America for a long, long time. But this year, they went above and beyond because of their promotion specifically of uh, transitioning clothing that was geared towards minors. So they had like tuck swimwear and some other things of that nature and it was targeted for minors. And, and this really was a step too far. And people boycotted Target, and Target lost a lot of revenue in the June-July time frame. Now, it looks to me like these boycotts against Bud Light and Target, um, maybe they've subsided. It doesn't look like um, these companies are now going to go under because of the boycotts. But 
the significant thing about this is that the boycotts revealed a real worldview difference between the general population and the elites uh, who are in charge of these companies or who are making decisions in these companies. What it showed, and, and I think Christians need to capitalize on this because I think the other side, you know, the spiritual forces of darkness, they're going to capitalize on it too. What this showed is that the general population is not yet ready to accept, accept the LGBTQ agenda when it comes to transitioning children into other genders. The general population is not ready for that. However, I don't know that the general population is far enough away from it that they couldn't be pushed over the cliff should something occur, should a few more dominoes fall in the right way. And I think the spiritual forces of darkness saw this loss, and they are going to regroup, and they are going to figure out how they can accomplish this kind of perversion. We, as believers, and uh, as those who would stand on the truth of the Word of God, need to be a little bit more shrewd and wise and say, how can we push back in the other direction? We can expose and say, look, these people really want to sexually molest and harm your children. We can point that out. But do we have a battle plan that would actually help people know why? Why it is wrong to sexually molest and pervert children and do these perverted things to children? I'm not sure that we have that battle plan, okay? I'm not sure that we do. But anyways, this revealed to us that the culture might not be quite as far gone as we expected, okay? At least in this particular issue, all right? Now, the next issue, number five on the list, is going to show that uh, we, we definitely don't have a battle plan regarding the LGBTQ issue. In fact, the battle plan of most Christian leaders and ministry leaders is to compromise with the LGBTQ agenda. Uh, so number five on the list is the fact that there are a number of high-profile pastors and Christian denominations who are pushing Christians to accept same-sex marriage. Now, I'm going to call it same-sex marriage uh, because that's kind of the language that the culture is using. They also call it a same-sex union, which I think is the more accurate term. But for the sake of kind of speaking the same language that the culture speaks, they talk in terms of marriage. Fundamentally, we believe that a same-sex union can never be a marriage because God defined marriage as between being between a man and a woman. So if that's the definition of marriage, then two men who are together or two women who are together, that can never be a marriage. But this is the language of the culture, okay? The culture is using this language. And unfortunately, there are some high-profile pastors and denominations and even the Pope who are signaling and pushing the Christian community to accept same-sex unions. Um, most significantly in 2023 was the United Methodist Church, that the United Methodist Churches splitting over this particular issue. In 2019, the um, United Methodist Church took a vote and they voted to adopt a biblical, historical, traditional 
definition of marriage as being only between one man and one woman. Well, this was the Global United Methodist Federation. So all the churches that are United Methodists in the whole world voted to approve this. But there are a lot of United Methodist churches in the West, particularly England, um, the United States, who did not like this vote. And so there was a split that happened. And many churches in the United States who are Methodist decided to go down the road of affirming that same-sex couples can enjoy something called marriage, something called marriage, in quotation marks, that is endorsed by the scriptures. That, that, that's, that's, I don't know how else to say it. They're, they're saying the scriptures, God, would endorse this same-sex union. And so the United Methodists have split over this particular issue, uh, and that actually made national news as well. Uh, Andy Stanley, a very prominent and well-known pastor, he identifies as an evangelical pastor. And so this is where it starts to really hit close to home, because I would identify as an evangelical. Many of you listening would identify as evangelicals. Andy Stanley began saying this year that the church should look favorably upon same-sex unions. And uh, that's a very, very problematic thing, that the, that he would start to bring this particular compromise into the church. Now, he's he didn't go as far as to endorse a same-sex union, but he said, you know, we need to start rethinking how we treat these people. Oh, okay, so we're going to re... We're going to change how we treat sin. All right, we're going to change how we deal with sin. Jesus has given us a very clear uh, understanding of how to deal with sin in Matthew chapter 18. If your brother sins, you go and confront him in private. If he repents, you've won your brother, okay? If he doesn't repent, you take two or three witnesses to confirm the facts. If he repents, then you've won your brother. Rejoice. If he doesn't repent, then you go to the church, and you take it to the church. And if the church confronts him and he doesn't repent, then you excommunicate him from the church. If we begin to have this kind of, um, well, we'll accept a same-sex couple. We need to look at them differently. We need to treat them differently. Uh, If we begin to have that attitude, we're not actually practicing the kind of biblical confrontation of sin that Jesus commands. And I'm not saying that we... I'm not saying that we we hate them. We we certainly don't do that. But we absolutely have to confront them regarding their sin, just as you would confront somebody who is a drunkard, just as you would confront somebody who's living in adultery or practicing fornication, just as you would confront somebody who is a habitual liar. These sins must be confronted. And and Paul is so specific in his letters. So specific. I mean, he he goes down to like coveting, idolatry, disobedient to parents. I mean, we we tend to look at like sins and categorize them as like, this is a big sin, this is a little sin. Well, Paul lumps all the sins together, and he says we need to not tolerate sin in the local assembly, in the body of Christ. So Andy Stanley has uh, signaled a change in perspective on this particular issue, and I'm sure that there are other evangelical pastors or groups who will begin to adopt the language and the tone that he is adopting, and they will start to accommodate 
these same-sex unions in their church. Finally, you have the Pope, okay, the, the Pope of the Catholic Church, who has been very open towards same-sex unions going all the way back to 2020. But in 2023, um, he was asked some specific questions, okay? He was asked some very specific questions from some cardinals about the church's official position on same-sex unions. All right, so now here's what he here's what he had to say, okay? This is a quote. We cannot be judges who deny, push back, and exclude, Pope Francis wrote about blessing same-sex couples. As such, pastoral prudence must adequately discern whether there are forms of blessing requested by one or several people that do not convey a wrong idea of matrimony, because when one seeks a blessing, one is requesting help from God. Okay, so this is like the most political answer ever to say that uh, while the church's teaching may not accept same-sex unions, I think that these people can receive a blessing from God. So he's absolutely directly contradicting the Word of God, and he's acting as the spokesperson, if you understand Roman Catholic theology, he's acting as a spokesperson for the entire church when he does this. And uh, it's, it's very challenging to accept that this man, this man would put his opinion over that of God, Jesus himself, but he does. It's, it's difficult to wrap your mind around that, but that is the reality of pride, arrogance, and actually it is evidence of an unregenerate heart. It is evidence of an unregenerate heart. Now, only the Lord knows for sure, but I could say this, this Pope absolutely appears to be an unregenerate person. Okay, so that was number five. Number four, in terms of the spiritually significant events that occurred in 2023, number four is the fact that the Southern Baptist Convention voted to disfellowship Saddleback Church and one other church due to their decision to ordain women pastors. Now, I, I think this is a positive thing, okay? So this is not the first three things I think were kind of negative, and they reveal some of the fault lines and the battle lines that we have to fight as Christians. This particular example is something that is positive in that the Southern Baptist Convention made a hard decision to disfellowship Saddleback Church. Now, you may be like, well, I don't even know what Saddleback Church is. Well, if I tell you the main pastor of Saddleback Church, you'll know exactly what Saddleback Church is. Rick Warren is the lead or head pastor of Saddleback Church and has been for 25 or 30 years or more. Rick Warren is one of the best-selling Christian authors in America today. He is probably one of the most high-profile Christian personalities in America today. And he and the leadership team at Saddleback Church thought that they could violate the scriptures by ordaining women pastors. And I have to commend the Southern Baptist Convention for disfellowshipping one of their most prominent churches and prominent pastors for their decision to violate the scriptures. So kudos to the SBC, and I hope that the SBC will actually stand firm on a number of other issues that they've been confronted with over the past number of years. It seems like maybe there's a bit of a turn of the tide in the SBC back towards biblical literalism, 
And I think that would be a very good thing for that fellowship uh, because I, you know, as much as like, we're not part of the Southern Baptist convention, uh, but we recognize that there are a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ there. And by and large, we preach the same gospel. We teach a lot of the same doctrines. And so we need to stand united on literally interpreting the word of God and standing firm on it. Okay. So that's number four the SBC Disfellowships Saddleback Church. Number three, in the most spiritually significant events of 2023 is the fact that former President Donald Trump compromised on the pro-life issue. Former President Donald Trump compromised on the pro-life issue. Now, you need to understand, what did he say? What did he say? In an interview that happened this fall, Donald Trump revealed that he would be in favor of a 15-week national ban on abortion. If you listen to my pro-life podcast about why we keep losing, you would know that the 15-week ban that was proposed by President Donald Trump and has also been proposed by a number of other Republican uh, or significant figures within the Republican Party, such as Nikki Haley and Lindsey Graham and so forth and so on, that 15-week ban is actually more extreme than most of the countries in Europe. In fact, every country except for like three or four. So the president, the former president, um, was considered before this particular statement to be one of the most pro-life presidents since President Ronald Reagan. He was the man who installed the judges who overturned Roe versus Wade. And now he is out saying, well, anything less than 15 weeks is far too extreme. We need to give women the right to choose. We need to let them make these choices. It boggles my mind that he would have such a great accomplishment on one hand by installing the judges who overturned Roe versus Wade and then go out on the campaign trail and undermine the very work that he has done. And really, he slapped all the pro-life people in the face with these comments. I think that this is a, an, a travesty. And, and in my mind, this is one of the big reasons why if you're a Republican and you're considering voting in 2024 in the primary election, this is one of the reasons I would not vote for Donald Trump. I would not vote for him because he is compromising on the pro-life issue and he hasn't even been pressured on it to compromise. He had, he had no pressure to, to say this. like He wasn't being pressured by somebody who was a leftist journalist. He was being asked, I believe it was an interview by Tucker Carlson. I didn't look it up right before this, but I believe that was the interview that, uh, that in which he said this. And I, I was just flabbergasted. It's, it's such a shame. It's absolutely shameful that he would take this particular stance because it shows me, it shows you that he really doesn't have a biblical worldview. And you need to know that if you're considering voting for someone for the office of president of the United States, Donald Trump does not have a biblical worldview. All right, let's go to number two, the second most spiritually significant event in 2023 is the Hamas-Israel war, the Hamas-Israel conflict. This was initiated on October 7th by Hamas when they attacked um, civilians at a concert and civilians who were just kind of like minding their own business 
and they killed about 1,400 citizens and captured two to 300 hostages. And um, this is a spiritually significant event because it brought the entire world's focus to Israel. Now, if you understand um, biblical eschatology, you will understand that right before the Antichrist arises, there will be a great focus on Israel. And one of the things the Antichrist will be able to do is to broker a peace between Israel and all the nations who are against her. This particular conflict doesn't seem like it is the trigger for that event, but I know there were many Christians who thought it was, and I will say that there are many secularists, many non-believers, who have revealed through this conflict their abject hatred for Israel. I, I was surprised at, and maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, maybe I was just being naive, but I was surprised at the level of just hatred. I don't know what else to say it. Hatred that was apparent for the people of Israel, the Jewish people, when they were trying to defend themselves from a, a very obvious and heinous terrorist attack. And there were so many people who, um, I'm not even just talking about people who are totally left on the political spectrum, but maybe people who were neutral to right, who were like, well, you know, Israel, they just need to be careful. They, they, they can't go too far in their retaliation. Go too far in their retaliation. I mean, they need to, they need to put an end to the terrorists who have uh, tried to harm them. They need to put an end to these people. They have a right to defend themselves, uh, but there, were, there are so many people, even in the center or politically right, who were calling for caution, calling for peace, calling for Israel to stand down. And, and on the other side of the political spectrum, on the left, you know, they were saying that Hamas is justified in their terror attacks and Israel's the actual enemy. So I think we can see uh, through this event, maybe not that it is like the, the singular event that is going to trigger this rise of the Antichrist, but what this event did reveal that is spiritually significant is the level of hatred and the lack of support for Israel globally. You can see the tide is turning against Israel. Uh, and and the people of God, okay? Now, okay, well, I don't want to get too far into eschatology or end times things, but I believe that God still has a plan and purpose for national Israel. And so right now, the people of God are the church, but Israel is still the people of God. They God has a plan for them in the future, and we're not uh, quite sure the timing on when he will reinitiate that plan, but we believe it is certain that he will reinitiate and reinaugurate his plan and program with the nation of Israel. Okay, finally, we have reached number one in the countdown, number one in the countdown of the top seven most spiritually and theologically significant events in 2023 is this. The pro-life movement absolutely got trashed in the November elections. The pro-life movement lost big. And that is spiritually significant because it reveals to us that the pro-life movement has a lot of work to do to fight the spiritual forces of darkness. 
The pro-life movement cannot count on the Republican Party. The pro-life movement cannot count on the science. The pro-life movement needs to work on changing worldviews through the proclamation of the gospel. We also need to appeal directly to the people who we are trying to convince to be pro-life that this is a worldview issue. It's not a science issue. I mean, it is a science issue, but the other side has proven they don't even care about the science. They want total autonomy to worship their own bodies and their own choices, and that is the highest God to them. So while we can't appeal to the science of it all, we need to get to the moral authority that enables them to do this particular heinous and disgusting and vile act. And we need to start fighting on that battleground. If you listen to my last podcast on why the pro-life movement keeps losing, you can hear the full details of why I think we keep losing and what we need to do about it. But the pro-life losses in the November elections signal to me that the worldview is farther gone than I would have actually anticipated. And this actually relates back to um, number six, the boycotts against the LGBTQ agenda issues. People, the average person, okay, the average secular person is not willing to accept the transitioning of minors from one gender to another, but they are willing to accept that it is a right for a woman to kill their baby. So how many more years is it going to be before the average secular person thinks that it's okay to transition minors? I mean, these issues relate to one another and that they both concern theological realities established by God. One is that life begins at conception, and the other one is that there are only two genders that God created. And people, by and large, have totally rejected the first theological position that life begins at conception and that life should be protected and that life is valuable. How much longer will it be until people, by and large, reject the second proposition? that there are only two genders and that, you know, you can't change genders or you can't switch genders. And certainly you shouldn't be doing these kinds of things to minors. We need to understand that we are in a extremely significant spiritual battle. Look at the various battle fronts. Christians need to be articulate and aware of these issues. And I think that Christians by and large, just want to kind of let uh, these types of issues float over their heads and say, well, I, I don't really need to worry about those things. I'm just focusing on things here in my local church. And I think that's important. It's important to minister in your local church. It's important to um, focus on using your gifts to bless the body of Christ. But we also, I believe, have a responsibility to communicate spiritual truth to the unbelieving world around us and understanding these issues that I've presented today and using the Bible to speak to them with your unbelieving friends, coworkers, neighbors, etc. That is the way that you can engage them with the truth of the Word of God and say that the Bible does have something to say about all these issues. Christians don't just sit on the sideline. Christians need to be willing to speak God's truth into a culture that doesn't know its right hand from its left hand. All right, well, I'm I'm going to I'm going to get off the soapbox. I'm going to stop ranting now. But uh these these things should get they get me fired up. They should get you fired up. Okay? You should be fired up about these things. I'm going to go ahead and uh stop while I'm ahead. 
If you have any feedback, please leave me a comment uh, below the video or email me at mrjed2007 at gmail.com. Leave a comment on the Facebook post or wherever, wherever it is you find this. Uh, if you have Apple uh, or Spotify or whatever, like this podcast, give me a five-star review. That would help other people find this podcast. I pray that uh, your celebration of Christ this Christmas would be focused on the fact that God gave Jesus as a gift to humanity to be the Savior for our sins. That's a great truth that we should hold on to this Christmas season. I'll be back with a New Year's episode, and we will look forward to seeing you in a few weeks and on into the new year. God bless you.